challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's a cool, cool day out there. By cool, I mean uh, less humid and uh, nice little breeze and beautiful. Uh, less lower temperature too, which is really, really cool. By the way, chat is open. You have reached the Ninja Pastor, Dr. Sean Michael Greener uh, at the Ninja Pastor uh, for Twitter at the Ninja Pastor and Facebook, facebook.com backslash SM Greener. Uh, and then you can also join us under the Ninja Pastor backslash the Ninja Pastor. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. We're all over the place. Just if you type that in, you'll find me. Um, I want to thank first and foremost, uh, all the people who listen to the show. Um, we I said in a Facebook Live right before we came live here that uh, it's pretty awesome. I, I'm really loving how the audience is growing uh, throughout other countries. And so we picked up Finland. A part of our audience is in Finland, and that's really, really cool. Uh, of course, we have Ukraine, some great people in Ukraine, uh, which I want to make it over there. Uh, hey, Dave Partridge. Hey, by the way, Dave Partridge, Lieberman Early. Dot com. Dave is, uh, on, quite honestly, whatever Dave, if Dave decided to become an astronaut, he would be the best astronaut. If he decided to become a punter on a football team, he would be the best punter. He, he's really, really, what Dave does is he just is fully immersed in whatever he does. And uh, and whatever he's done, he's done with great excellence. And and I have to tell you, it's been my privilege to be his friend for but now uh, 20 plus years and uh, I've known him. We've worked very, very closely together. And so if you're in Pennsylvania or listener in Pennsylvania, I can't encourage you any uh, more feverishly to um, take a look. If you have a business, no matter what size it is, I mean, you could be a little tiny business needing just a little storefront all the way up to, you know, fortune 500 corporations. And uh, he handles Pennsylvania. And uh, I just, I don't think you could do better than that. Um, he can also help you strategically, and uh, that's very, very important. Strategic, look, anybody can sell you something, but can they can they listen to you and really, truly understand what it is you need? And David Partridge, he's the guy for that. Um, I, I just don't think you can do any better than David. And uh, I'm, I just, I, sometimes I just turn around and I say, man, how did I get so fortunate? You know what I'm saying? How, how do I get so fortunate? I mean, it's, it's, uh. It's, it's kind of crazy, you know, it's kind of crazy. And I just think sometimes, I, you know, I'll tell you what, sometimes I look around and I say to myself, self, it's pretty important for, to, to me, this is just me personally, it's just an ninja pastor talking. 
uh, it's pretty important to value and appreciate the people in your life, no matter no matter what they do. Um, some people are big time, you know, people, and they do uh, things that are known all over the world. And sometimes they're people who, uh, you know, in your in your neighborhood, in your state, in your in your corner of the world, they make your life better. That's Dave. That's Dave. Um, and I think something as big as commercial real estate, you know, your business, where are you going to move your business? Where are you going to start your business? Good lands, man. Ain't no, ain't no more important decision than that. Right. And he can help you with all that stuff. Plus the dude is so well connected. You, you know, maybe, you know, you need a good accountant. Maybe you need a good this or that. He, you know, he's worked with them all and he knows, knows who's great. He knows who's not. So um, contact, if you're looking in Pennsylvania for, Commercial real estate, uh, 610-688-4300. That's Dave Partridge, my dear friend. What a great, great guy. Um, and uh, also, thank you to our friends at uh, Hilo LX. Uh, if you send me a message, this Hilo LX I depend on for my life. It doesn't save my life. Just like health insurance doesn't save your life, doesn't kill you. All that crazy crap that's going around. The leftists are saying, you know, 23 million people are going to die. Listen, if you're not smart enough, to see that that's just crap, you know, come on, come on. We, we've got to be real with one another. We've got to realize that, hey, <laughs> they're spreading lies and they're trying to scare you and it's stupid. And actually, I think it's criminal. So not for nothing, you know, Dave, Dave can wade through all the crap. He, he is a like-minded thinker. Um, he doesn't judge anybody if they're liberal or uh, moderate or conservative, whatever the case may be. He deals with you fairly. So uh, 610-688-4300. But also our friends at, uh, at uh, Hilo LX. I, I can't tell you anymore how important. I don't know why I just jumped over to Dave. I should probably write stuff down. Um, he's on my mind, actually. We're supposed to do, and if Dave is listening, Dave, uh, I know we're supposed to do dinner. We will do it for sure. We'll meet in the middle at our favorite little meeting place in the middle. Great diner. Um, but this Hilo LX, just like uh, health insurance, health insurance doesn't save your life, folks. It does not save your life. Doesn't save your life, doesn't kill you. So, but what this tool is, this is not like, you know, the things that you buy at the, you know, the fitness store or whatever. This is an actual medical device that looks very, very elegant. You'll, as soon as you see it, you'll realize it's light years above what the um, what the other devices out there. And I don't want to say their names because I don't want them to sue me. I don't have any money already. I don't want to be worse off. But this Hilo X is just absolutely extraordinary. Send me a private message. Send me a direct message on Twitter at the Ninja Pass or send me a private message on Facebook. I'd be glad to send you a link in a short video. It's just really powerful. I won't bug you with it. Uh, I'm working on a fundraiser for return. Uh, returning combat veterans, where I want to raise money to give one of these to each of these people, especially the combat injured, uh, because it gives you real-time significant health information for me, blood uh, blood pressure, heart rate, breath rate, uh, respirations, um, the gambit. And it also does all the traditional things that you know uh, a normal band would do, but it does it much more accurately. So, but the cool thing about it is if I get into trouble, I press this button twice. You guys know I have life-threatening uh, health issues. Press this little button twice, 
it sends, I have a list of three people. It sends an immediate notification. I'm in trouble. Here's my GPS coordinates. And you can call uh, 911 for me if I can't do it and give them those coordinates. They punch them in. They come right to me and bada boom, bada bing. So it's, it's unlike anything else. So what I'm trying to do is work on a program where I can raise money and give one to every uh, combat veteran, everyone dealing with some stuff. You know, we, we try to help our, our vets out to, to the greatest extent we can. So it's the day after, it's the day after Independence Day. And uh, I love this country. I, I love America. I, I think America is extraordinary. I don't think it is. I know it is. We've been under serious assault for a long time. Nobody can argue with that, right? Nobody. Nobody can argue. Uh, I started to say a couple of minutes ago, talking about, you know, great, great friends. You know, be thankful for the great friends. Be thankful for the great people you meet. Be thankful for the great experiences you have. You know, some people come into your life. They're in your life for a little while. And then they're not in your life. Maybe, you know, who knows, three, four years. And then they, they move on to other things. Um, that, that's reality. That's the reality we face in this world that we live in. We, we have to acknowledge that not everybody's in our life forever. And sometimes people are. I mean, for all eternity, you know, you, you, you love them right into eternity. And, and sometimes you don't. It's just how things go. I hate that. But it is how it goes. And sometimes people die. People get sick and die. You know, uh, July 2nd was my great friend, uh, Eric, uh, Eric Rickards. It was his birthday and he passed away a couple of weeks before. Uh, we were really pulling for him. You all were praying so hard for him. We were praying for him, uh, but he's in glory, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't think once you get to glory, you look back and go, you know, I had some great experiences in life. I wish I would have appreciated that more. Well, the, the truth of the matter is uh, it's up to you. Now, it, it, now it's when you do it. You know, here and now, when you, you do that, you you appreciate the great good friends. You know, I I look at my friends, and, and and I'm one of those people that I I know a lot of people, and a lot of people know me, but I'm close friends with just a very few, just a very very few, and I'm so blessed. I'm so fortunate. I really really am. It, it's just an amazing. Uh, I I look at it and I think, man, how did I become friends with these people? How did that happen? How did that happen? You know, I didn't deserve it. I didn't. You guys know I didn't. I know I didn't. I'm not going to kid myself. Come on. If there's one thing in life we have to do is we have to be real with one another. Right? We have to we have to be real with one another. It's silly. It's silly to not be real. You know, sometimes some people aren't able to be real, though. You ever think about that? Sometimes some people are just not able to be real. By the way, hello to New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Michigan. Uh, we got a, oh, some from Ohio, New Jersey, New York City. Wow. Wow. Got a lot of people listening. That's awesome. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And I'm kind of rambling on here, but I, it's, it's, it's something important. And it really ties into with what we're going to talk about today. Two amazing guests, two amazing guests, Mike Brock, who I've known since he was a little kid, and uh, uh, Bryn Sellers, who I've been privileged to know um, for quite some time now. I guess if I have the years up, it's quite some time. And what they've been through is nothing short of extraordinary. And they're still going through it now. 
Um, so in keeping with, you know, really talking about the appreciation of life, the appreciation, by the way, Louise, I don't know if you know this, but my mother's name is Lillian Louise. Uh, and so I'm partial. She goes by Louise or Weeze. Um, so that's I, every time I see her name, I think of my mom. So that's a good thing. She's awesome. And um, so the point of all this is this point of all this is this. I'm a, I'm a big gratitude guy. Man, I, I want to be grateful. I want to be grateful. I don't want to be ungrateful because you know what? It could be much worse. And people have asked me, they said, you know, how do you have this attitude? You're 100% disabled. Some days I can't walk. Some days I can't write. Some days I can't, you know, some days it start off pretty good. And it takes me about 10 or 15 minutes to get moving my legs and, and all that stuff. And then some days... I don't remember yesterday. I don't remember. I have a, a pretty significant brain injury and some serious damage to my body. And of course, the blood pressure issue. And I don't remember stuff. You know, I hit my head on a car going 92 miles per hour. I don't know about you, but that's fast. But in the car, I've told this story to many of you. In the car, uh, I was trapped and, and I died for a short while. They tell me the two firemen took my vitals and, and, and they said I was dead. And, um, and then they... Uh, I guess I moved or I turned my eyes and, and an onlooker who was crying, looking in my car, crying. It was sad for, you know, seeing a dead guy. And, and uh, the other guy, one of the guys in the other cars died as well. And I knew them as well. But I remember praying a prayer uh, first. The prayer, I prayed three prayers, prayer of contrition, lots of sins to ask. And look, you know, if you're anybody out there that I've wronged in my life, I, all I can tell you is I'm sorry. I may not remember all the details. Uh, there for a while, for the longest, I was taking a drug prescribed for me called gabapentin or neurontin. And don't sue me, the gabapentin, neurontin people, but I can tell you when I was on that drug, which was up until not that long ago, um, I'm going to tell you, man, that is that drug did not settle well with me. It just didn't. I, I, I just could not function properly. It did crazy things with my head. I mean to tell you, it was just tough, man. It was tough. And, and you know, I, I didn't know it. I didn't know it. You don't know these things at the time. You know what I'm saying? You don't know these things. You just, you, you just don't. You don't know these things. So you, so you have to, you have to be, um, and, and that's not an excuse. Somebody's texting me and said, man, you can't make excuses, even if even if you're on a prescribed drug. Well, you're kind of right. You're kind of right and you're kind of not. Because, you know, when you what I've learned about a brain injury is, man, brain injuries are amazing. They, they, they really mess you up. Because that's the thing that operates everything else in your body. You know, that's the thing that runs everything. And that's your think center. That's how you do everything you do. And uh, I can tell you gabapentin for me was brutal, brutal. My behavior many times was uh, was just not appropriate. And I didn't know it. Heck, I didn't know it. Um, it different things. Anyway, it, it does lots of different things. If you've ever been on it, you, you may be aware of it. Maybe it worked great for you, but it was, it was a nightmare for me. Um, it, but the point of all this is, is my first guest here, uh, you know, like I said, Mike, I've known I've known Mike a long, long time. Honest to goodness, I've I've known Mike 
decades, decades, at least decades. Yeah. How how long has it been? Hey, welcome to the show, Mike. I really appreciate you joining us. How long has it been? I don't remember. I bumped my head on a, I bumped my head on a car. So, you know, I I, I think, uh, gosh, uh, you, you gave me, uh, your, one of your police badges when I was only about six or seven years old and I still have it this day. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I treasure that you treasure it. That means a lot to me. So, um, so folks, we have we have Mike Brock, and and Mike is you're the second oldest, Mike, in your family. I am. Yeah, in the middle. Yep. Yeah, four four kids, twin girls. Uh, Mike, and then the oldest is a guy I talk about a lot. You want to talk about excellence, Christopher Brock, one of the top photographers mm-hmm. in the country, and the top photographer mm-hmm. for a long time running in the Atlanta area. And and this is a guy they. You know, people from all over the country ask him, you know, please shoot my wedding. Please shoot my wedding. So, so, uh, and then Larry and Dee, um, good lands, man. Such amazing people. And, and, and you know what, Mike, I don't know if you heard this, uh, when I was talking about how fortunate I am to have the friends that I have and the, the associations and the, the people uh, in my life. I look at that and I think, man, I, you know, I, I really have to uh, check myself before I wreck myself. I've been so fortunate so fortunate to know such amazing people and i count you as one of those people your whole family uh i I love i consider your whole family family and so (laughs) some time ago mike um mike and i talked now mike has not told me this story mike have you told me this story i have not the story you're about to tell about okay so y'all i'm hearing this for the first time with you so I need you to understand that my reaction, I love this kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's a grown man with a family. I love this guy. I mean, seriously, like a, a, a brother. And so I apologize in advance, whatever I hear. Uh, but one thing, you know, let me say this really quickly. And this has to do with what we're going to talk about. You know, one thing I learned in the crash, I lost a lot in the crash, uh, a whole lot. I mean, more than, more than everyone, but my love wife and family and, you know, my, my, my children certainly know my son took care of me every day, fed me, uh, cut my food up tiny, helped me, you know, to the restroom, uh, help, you know, helped me in so many ways. And, and I'm so fortunate. And many people since then have been great help to me, but I have to tell you, you know, that's kind of what I was talking about. You know, you have these, you have these experiences you have these experiences, you have these meetings, you meet somebody at a certain point in their lives, a certain point in your life. And sometimes that is a powerful, powerful lesson. Sometimes it's a powerful, beautiful lesson. And sometimes it's a tough lesson, you know, and you're, you're with them at that point in time where it is flipping hard. And then sometimes you meet somebody and you look at them and you think, man, you got the life. You got the life. You have, you look at somebody and you say, you've got the best parents. You've got the best siblings. You don't have to struggle for anything. You're, you're fortunate. Let me tell you folks, sometimes that is the worst mistake you can make. And you know, um, Mike, I, how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 35. 35 years old. 
Man, it's just hard to believe, isn't it? You know, sometimes you think Nobody somebody's gonna be a kid forever. Fly. Time flies, it does fly. And uh, you know, Mike's got children he's helping to raise, he's got a great wife, he's a staff security intelligence and analytics specialist um, at a, a big, big company. I don't, I don't want to speak and say the name of the company, uh, you know, you can, but I don't want to come from me because I don't get anybody in any trouble. But um, <laughs> he has a very, he has a very serious job as, as you know, look in, in the financial business, your identity gets stolen. Somebody commits fraud. You, you've got to be serious business about, um, about protecting against fraud and investing. You better have good corporate security investigators. You better have somebody that, that knows their way around and somebody that's intense. And I'll tell you what, Mike is certainly that guy. So Mike, tell me about your life. There's a big chunk of it I don't know about. So start wherever you want to start and we'll let it rip. Our next guest will be on at 545. So you have plenty of time. Awesome, Sean. I, and again, thank you for having me on. Um, I, I take this as such a pleasure uh, especially coming from you and, and your hard work and what you do, I find it a total honor on my, my end that I'm on with you and, and I can share my story, which not many people know. Um, I, I, I tell those uh, who I feel um, would benefit it from. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I can go back. Uh, let, let's go back uh, pretty pretty far. Let's go back about, um, you know, 11 or 12 years and um, – you know, I was at the point in my life where I was in my, my 20s and um, didn't really know where to go career-wise or really had no idea where to go next life-wise, let alone career. Right. Um, you know, and, and I was just stuck in this rut and I was depressed and uh, I I didn't reach out to family and, and friends. I kind of just shut down and uh, just became more and more depressed and you know, life was just, you know, tough, and and people would look at how did me the how like, did the depression, if you don't mind me interrupting, how did the, the depression that you were in, this rut that you were in, how did how how would somebody see that? Like, what how was that manifesting? Uh, you know, really, you don't hear from the person for a while. Um, gotcha. Especially if they're you know living on their own and they don't have a family. Um, you know, you you really pay attention to to. The people's attitude and and this is uh you know for me um you know i i could go months without talking to anyone i know when i was fully depressed because it, it was in my mentality that i didn't want to spread any harm or or my wisdom on anyone else and i felt that i was a burden um and that was my my biggest uh uh decision on my my end to do and and i regretted it horribly but um you know it it, when going back and 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 looking at at the depression of of what i was in and self-medicating and and trying to find new ways to get out of it you know i in 2007 it hit me like a ton of bricks uh i told god this was probably um in october of 07 I never been angry at God more so because I just didn't feel I was owning up to anything. Uh, I didn't feel that I was meaningful to God or, or uh, my my family and friends. And I, I remember praying and being angry and saying, you know, I, I can't believe I, I'm living this life and 
I, I don't suggest that anyone pray this, but I, I told God, you better show me something. You know, you better show me the, the, the way. You better show me. And I kept just demanding. And um, never forget it. It was the, the day after Halloween, November 1st, uh, around 2 uh, p.m. Got a call from uh, a good buddy of mine, and he said, hey, um, I need your help. I, I've called uh, pretty much everyone I know in that area, but um, my my fiance, uh, you know, she she's not picking up the phone. Um, and would you mind stopping by her apartment on the way to work? And at the time, I was working at a waiter's uh, as a waiter, and and had the time handy. So I said, sure, not a problem. I'll call you when I get to her apartment. Um, and my buddy, he, he worked up in, up in, uh, very up North Georgia. So he was about two hours away. Um, they were splitting time cause he had to work and she had a, a school and work and things like that. And I said, no problem. So I, I swung by, I uh, went up into the, the parking lot and I called him and I said, Hey, uh, what kind of car does she drive? And I said, yeah, her car is here. Um, He's like, okay, uh, could you, would you mind going down and see if she'll answer the door? I said, sure, man, you know, not a problem. And I went down there and knocked on the door, and, um, you know, to this day I can, just rem- I can just close my eyes and remember this story, but I can remember the peephole being dark and, and knowing that the lights weren't on. Um, and and I, I told him I knocked, and I said, hey, man, you know, she's not coming to the door either, or she's sleeping or she's gone. Um, you sure she came home last night, went over all the, you know, the questions and, and try to figure out what else I can do for him. And he said, I mean, you know, I'm just really worried about her. I said, well, uh, her apartment is a veranda, so it was ground level. And I said, well, I can hop over the railing and try to, you know, the sliding door, see, if, you know, if anyone's there and the door is locked. And he goes, you know, the cat she has messes with the blinds in the bedroom. Would you mind peeking in there to see if she's there? And that hit me as very strange and awkward. And, you know, I don't feel comfortable. What if someone saw me? And he's like, please just do it. And I, and I said, you know, okay. I had, you know, had him on the phone. And I, I remember peeking through the blinds. And, 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 I, and I saw her standing there. And I'm like, okay, Katie, uh, you know, hey, it's me. It's Mike. You know, once you come to the front door you know i got you know your your fiance on the phone and uh so i thought you know she'll just come to the door and meet me there maybe she didn't know who i was when i was talking so now she knows i'm standing at the door peephole still dark i'm like mike she's not coming to the door she must be you know afraid or scared and only thing i could think of is like man, you know, maybe she's cheating on him and I'm going to have to get in the fight with the guy and that's not what I want to deal with. And she, he goes, wait, she's there? I'm like, yeah. So I went back, at, you know, peeked in the blinds and there she was. And I said, uh, dude, she's, she's not moving. She's just standing there. And he goes, well, well, can you get a better look? And I remember, you know, okay, well, let me put the phone down so I can really put my head underneath the, the, the window blinds and see and um, that's when it, it hit me that she hung herself, mm. and she she uh, took her own life. And how old was it, she? 
she was she was exactly my age. We we graduated from high school together. Um, so we you know, uh, you know, I would say twenty five. Yeah, twenty five years old. Um, so I, I saw it, and I you know, never seen anything like it. Pick up the phone, and I I, I told my buddy. I said. I have to call 911, and and he he goes, why? What happened? And and I said, dude, I just got to call 911. And he goes, well, tell me what happened. I said, I think she took her own life. And I hung up, and I, I called 911, and 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 they did not know where I was, and and I didn't know where I was. You know, I I had no idea with the apartment name, so I ran up there, and I saw some poor guy driving his car, and I stopped him and I yelled, where am I? And he probably thought I was crazy. And I told the lady and, and sure enough, uh, uh, you know, officer showed up and, and we tried to bust down the door together and we couldn't get it down. And cause we, I told him, I don't know how long she, she's been in that state. Um, sure. and he, he took his baton out and went through the window and, and the blinds fell and the light came in and then you could see it. And, and you could tell she's been gone for a while. Um, and it's a tough I, thing I just, to witness. Yeah, and 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 you know I got to give a lot of respect to the first responders that unfortunately have to deal with this on a, on an everyday basis. And you know, unfortunately, but um, you know I got to tell you it, it's it's a tough tough sight to see. Mm-hmm. So you know I have to call back uh, my buddy and let him know that she's gone and 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 you know I'm I'm just shooken up like just shell shocked sure. and then we're calling my mom and and uh just crying out to her and and she she arrived so did my sister and and uh you know we were there for the whole duration of the investigation and and the reporting of it um and i remember um i didn't want to go back to my apartment because i lived almost in the same type of apartment you know and on the veranda and and things like that. And I, I, you know, I went home, uh, at the time my parents were building the house and, um, they had a small apartment. So uh, I went home with her and I, I just, um, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't sleep. Um, and I, and I said, mom, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm just that, that really got me. And, uh, I said, I really want to go to church and I don't know why, but it just, something told me. So you had part of all this, Part of this leading up to this is you had you had um, and in the church we people talk about all the time fall you, you'd fallen away from your faith. Yeah, that, and, and forgive me, I probably should have mentioned that. Yeah, so uh, it, it wasn't that I, I stopped believing. It's just I I just stop having the faith and and the, and the relationship with Jesus Christ that you should have. And um, I, I just remember saying I want to go to church. And uh, I remember that was on a Thursday that we found her. Um, so uh, got very little sleep. Um, you know, went went to church on Sunday with my mom uh, over to the North Point community. And oddly enough, Andy um, he had a new sermon um, that he was starting. It's called "It's Personal," and I was like, "No way." Like, you know, you hear people say, oh, that sermon was meant for me. It was meant for me. Yeah, I know. I get it because this this was about people who have gone through horrible things in life that brought them back to church. 
and here I am living that, mm-hmm. living it. And 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 I remember I, I was just in tears, and uh, one of the staff members came and sat with me and prayed with me, and it, you know, till till this day, I, my life changed dramatically, and and really, uh, it, it was trying to find. Uh, love and and the light that I needed and the silver lining and everything that happens, um, especially when you pray for it, right? Because prayer is so so powerful, and as is God, obviously. But what you pray for, you know, it, it really comes in, in, to truth and and shows in your life. And and I, I tell you, um, I told God I, I needed it almost a wake up call, and. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone could have found her, and it was proven that I was the last one that was called, but I was the one that was supposed to find her. And mm-hmm. people say it all the time. You know, I'm so sorry I had to deal with that. You know, I, I, you know what? It sucked. <laughs> it really did. But mm-hmm. I don't know where I would be today if that didn't happen. Silver lining, trying to find that in a garbage of awfulness is one of the hardest things to do. But once you find it, you know, that hits home and puts that last piece of puzzle together for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to tell you, if it wasn't for my, my parents and friends, uh, um, my whole family, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have dealt with it the way I did. Um, oddly enough, you know, as soon as people hear about your story, they know someone who went through the same thing. And, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing what, uh, that does to someone's life, whether, you know, you're the first responder or if you're a family member of, of someone who is, you know, that's, uh, passed by committing suicide. It's, it's, it really takes the world that they live in and uh shake it up and and they're never the same um mm-hmm. so that you know that's my story of of coming back to god and um understanding how much he loves you and and how important it is that to pray and and you know have a relationship with him um how, did, how did that, it change your approach to life is there any change that you could see in uh your approach to life i i know you know in, in uh my counseling practice, people would come to me and, and they would have a, they would have some heavy, heavy stuff. And we would talk through it just like, you know, we did here, but with uh, 1.4 million listeners and it was just me and you, me and the person, you know, instead of having all these people, but there's a lot of people out there that are hearing this, that are saying, you know, I'm there, I'm right there now. Maybe they didn't find somebody that had killed themselves, but I'm going to tell you, um, having been a police officer and even not as police officer, I've, I have, found people who took their lives. I've been involved in people who attempted, you know, when I got there, I've also been, you know, four feet away from someone who uh, killed themselves right in front of me. And, um, you know, it's, it's a devastating thing. No matter what kind of training you have, it's a hard thing. There are lots of people out there who in their faith, and, and, and I thought this was interesting. The timing of it was interesting. And, and I could have never, ever, ever put these two things together just because, you know, that's just not how I work. Uh, but my sermon that I preached um, what, what, Sunday is mercy is not demanded of God. We don't demand mercy of God. It's God's option. 
and he doesn't mm -hmm. have to show us. And I'm going to preach the second half of it this coming Sunday. But I thought it was interesting because as I was preaching this sermon and I knew that you were going to be on on and it just started to occur to me, wow, you know, his story is very, very similar to lots of other people, mm -hmm. even though. And, and, you know, depression, depression is a great liar. And this is what I would say to my counselees. I'd say, listen, you know, you're you're in that headspace right now where you're locked out. You just feel like you're locked out from everything. And it could be a chemical thing. It could just be a a, a way of reasoning that you've fallen off your way and in, 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 in reasoning your approach, your your um, we talk. I always have people go get a physical, full, in-depth physical Maybe there's some there's some uh, hormonal imbalances. Maybe there's some nutrition issues. Perhaps uh, drinking or or illicit drugs are an issue. Who knows? Uh, lack of sleep. I had one uh, one person, great great person, had fallen away from God, and uh, but she had told me that um, I said, "How much sleep do you like to get a night?" She says, "How much sleep do I like, or how much sleep do I get?" And she said, "Well, I get four hours, but I'd like to get eight or nine. I'm really an eight or nine person, and that really impacted her mind. It impacted how she processed information, and it's not a small thing. You know, sleep is a big thing. So we got to get in and uncover all this stuff. And I've talked to lots and lots of people, people who were of faith, because I ask every single person that I that I ever met with about their faith. And you know, looking at you and looking at your family, um, one would make the assumption. I, I said this in in uh, my introduction that." Uh, hey, you know, you would look at you and say, man, what do you got to be depressed about? You have unbelievable mm -hmm. parents. You had an mm -hmm. unbelievable childhood. You had mm -hmm. um, siblings who, yeah, they picked on you and you picked on them. Um, <laughs> oh, and one thing you could be, you're a die, even though you live in Atlanta, you're a diehard Eagles fan. One could be depressed mm -hmm. about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, all those different things. But it, But for real, I mean, you just you wouldn't look at your life on the outside and go, wow, this is this is this is not as pretty and easy and fluffy as it looks. I've had people sit right. across from me in diners, in you know, uh, counseling spaces, in their homes, in my home, and they say, I just got to tell somebody, and you're the one I trust. And then they lay out mm. this thing. And, and I'm looking at them the whole time they're telling me a story. I'm going, that can't be possible. How in the world did your life get like that? Because you know what? Mm. From the outside in, it looks like you're perfect. Just like looking at me. Number one thing my family would tell you, my family and friends would tell you this. And I think it's funny. And it's, it's funny in a weird sort of way. It's interesting, I should say. People will look at me and go, you're 100% disabled. You look fine. Mm. You, you look fine. I don't understand what's wrong with you. And then you start to tell them and then they start to live your life a little bit. And then it's like, um, okay. Wow. That's, um, wow. Mm. And then they start to think about it and they say, man, why did, why did I make that assumption? And the reason we make the assumption is because we only see little snippets of people's lives. You know? Yeah, and uh, uh, depression, you know, a lot of people, they'll shy away from sharing, um, A, because they're um, they're not feeling very comfortable letting others know that they're depressed, um, and B, you get just so used to how you're feeling, and you just suck it up and deal with it, and 
what's unfortunate though is if you're very depressed and you have a horrible day or a week or whatever a lot of people think well my life is, is over um and and deal with it that way but um I got to tell you the story afterwards, though, of how I dealt with it, not only going to church and, and all that, but I remember going uh, to therapy to, to deal with the anxiety of it all. And mm-hmm. and she goes, yeah, tell us about that. that. Yeah, she goes, you see that uh, I told her, I said, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how my brain's going to be able to function properly. Like, that was my biggest worry. I didn't think I was ever going to snap out of it. And she mm-hmm. I had to cut my, my knee at the time. wasn't anything crazy, but she goes, you see that cut there? I said, yeah. And she goes, well, that cut is going to heal. Now, there may be a scar, but it will heal. And what you just went through, that will also heal, but there will be a scar. You'll never forget about it, but you'll heal and you'll become stronger. Your brain works in the exact same way. So with prayer and guidance of friends and family and just a lot of love, uh, it sure enough, it, it did. Um, now, till this day, I, I can tell you the story over and over and over again like I was there. Um, and till this day, you know, I, I do deal with side effects still, but it's one of these things that, you you know, prayer and, and, and love from family and friends – really matter the most in life um and people with depression they'll usually put the blinders on and don't really focus on anything that could be positive in their life because it it's so much easier to stay focused on a negativity of what is going wrong and instead of asking yourself what is it that could bring my life light and happiness and mm-hmm. it's so much easier to stay depressed. And then you just sink lower, lower, and lower. And you, you, next thing you know, you, you know, you're not living life that God wanted you to live. Mm. What are some, some things that you do to, uh, to make sure that you don't fall into that place again? Um, it, you know, really it, it, it's checking yourself. Um, you know, it, for me, I, I'm, fully aware of my brain and and if I'm feeling down or depressed, uh, my wife is uh, amazing. Uh, She uh, is always there for me and and she's my cheerleader and supporter and I wouldn't be uh, closely where I am today without her. But um, really, you know, if you're um, feeling yourself go there, it's more about putting yourself uh, in a better mindset um, lift, listening to some comedy or something funny or maybe some some Christian music of your favorite band. Um, really, it's getting yourself out of that. And really, you need to tackle whatever it is that, that's causing that trigger because if you can tackle that, then what you can do is just move forward in your life stronger. Because believe it or not, if you can overcome depression, there's – there's there's not much more out there in the world that can hold you back more than depression. So if you can get over that, I mean that's mm-hmm. that's huge. So really, and it comes it, with a great stigma. You know that that's part of the problem. It comes with a this huge stigma, and especially if you come from a prominent family, 
uh, very successful family. All of a sudden, oh, you know, it's a uh, it's a shame. It, it's really a shame that it that it works that way because it, it causes a lot of people to not get help that they need, that they they really mm-hmm. genuinely need. And you know, uh, it, it's it is a God thing. You know, people there are there are some people in the in the church community and Christian community who would uh, errantly say. Well, you know, you just need to claim scripture more. You just need to do this or that more. Well, you need to read Bible. You need to pray more. You need to have better, you know, all these different things, um, you know, and and they're wrong. I've known people who sat in front of me and I was the only person they told. One lady told me, she said, I have been like this for 20 years. And I said, why have you never sought help? And she told me point blank. She said, you know, in the church, they would they would kick me out everything that I do. Or, and I've heard them say, you know, you just got to pray more. You just got to, you got to read scripture more. You got to do this more. You got to do that more. And right. it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate because it that is. is one of the things in, in, in the church doesn't tend to embrace people who are struggling with those uh, issues. It they is, just don't uh, do it. it, it it's sad. And you're right. It, it, Sean, you're absolutely right. It is hard to find um, one organization that is open um, with how people are, are living their lives, whether, um, you know, whatever it is that their people are struggling with, uh, they, they tend to just say, well, you're, you're doing this and this and this wrong instead of, you know, maybe what they need is someone to listen to. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people who are deeply depressed, don't really want to open up. Um, yeah. And it, it just, it, unfortunately people will put on a mask and go out in public and smile and everything's fine. But when they're by themselves, that depression coat, as I call it, it's very heavy and it just lays on you. And it's a very hard thing to overcome. And people will say, pray more, read the Bible more, do this more. Well, yeah, okay, well, I'm doing that, um, but it seems like it's not helping. Well, you know, maybe it's time for you to, to go seek uh, professional help, someone who is possibly uh, Christian-oriented that can help you and, and point you in the right direction of maybe what scriptures to read and, and what can help you get over certain obstacles during the day. Um, but I, I got to tell you, it's, it, you're absolutely right when it comes to going to your church um, you know, if you're struggling with depression, you know, ask them. I mean, because if you don't ask, you just don't know and you won't get the help. But if you simply ask, you know, I'm struggling with, with depression. Is there anyone here that can pray with me? You'll be mm-hmm. just blown away by the amount of help people will come to you for. It's, it's, it's yeah. impressive. It is amazing how people open up. Once you, once you uh, sort of lubricate the discussion, it becomes a really powerful thing. It really does. And then you have a connection with that person that, and and a lot of churches are reluctant. They're very, very reluctant. And it's unfortunate that they are, Um, you know, brain chemicals, someone in chat, we've got a lot of people listening uh, all around the world and there's some great people in chat and uh, getting up and walking helps to alleviate the depression. Brain chemicals are very confused in a depressed, truly depressed person. 
the body aches all over, so it's hard to get up and move. And when those chemicals aren't balanced, mm -hmm. we have trouble communicating. Brain chemicals affect moods and thoughts. Absolutely true. And and the thing about movement, you know, um, I have always said this, that that movement and exercise and, uh, you know, when you're walking, you can pray. You can, nowadays with mm -hmm. all the technology we have, you can have scripture just pumping right into your head while you're walking, um, mm -hmm. you know, or riding and a bike, whatever. On, um, uh, one, one of the things that I, I can can tell you that that works wonders is um, exercise. Um, that even if it's just a walk or a jog or whatnot, it 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 will heal a lot of things that you don't think will, will heal on its own, but will heal it faster. Um, yeah. And another thing that I um, constantly tell others is you know control your breathing, do your breathing exercises, um, you know, take time out of your day, whether you got to set an alarm to really just pray to God and, and, and thank him for what you have in your life and, and thank you and, and, and let him know your struggles. Um, you just have to take time out of your day to really focus on you and, and really it's stepping away from your desk, taking a walk outside, controlling your breathing, um, talking to God or really just praising him on things that you have uh, positively going on in your, in your life. Amen. Well, it was awesome to have you today. Unfortunately, we, we have our next guest ready to come on, uh, but I would encourage you to listen to her. Her story is absolutely stunning. Your story is a beautiful story, and it's a story that's being written even as we speak, you know, chapter by chapter. It's an amazing thing. Um, living life uh, sometimes is messy. Sometimes it's really, really difficult, and but sometimes there's those beautiful things. Uh, someone was very kind to compliment my photography um, yesterday where I was, and and it was a very, very kind thing. And they said that you know your photography makes me think of heaven. It makes me think of glory and worship and all those things. That's exactly why I do it. And and I think occupying there's two sides to it. There's occupying your mind and your body doing valuable, healthful things. And then there's the other part of being quiet, praying, truly praying, not in some fancy voice that God wouldn't recognize, you know, as your voice, but being real with God uh, and, and, and just being open with him to him for him to bless you and to immersing yourself in scripture and also good friendships people, you know, th that are real people and healthful people. And some of the best friendships can come from your family, believe it or not. A lot of times people are, you know, they don't, they don't want to live as though it's a friendship that they're working on because they say, well, that's my brother. That's my sister. That's my mom, my dad. I don't want them to know. And trust me, they, they want to know. They want to know. It's something very, very powerful. Well, listen, I certainly appreciate you coming on. I treasure uh, our friendship. I love you. And um, this is a story that there's lots more to it, but unfortunately we ran out of time today, but, but um, we'll, we'll be interested in following the story and seeing where it goes. And I think that you tell this story uh, wherever and whenever you can. And, and there's, there's somebody out there listening. I know today there's somebody out there listening on this radio show that needs that story. They need to know that this isn't the end. This isn't the, right. you know, the final chapter. John, if, anyone, if anyone out there is listening and, and they, they truly just need someone to, to, to talk through it. Maybe they experience what I experienced, or maybe they're in the beginning stages of whatever. If they if they reach out to you and, and, and wish to talk to me, I would be happy to talk to them. Okay, so let them know. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, they can contact you through my show and I'll connect you. And uh, I did one time I gave out my, uh, well, a bunch of times I've given out my email address and then I have 27, literally 27,000 emails uh, in three days. So, um, but we'll kind of feed them through and then some people to talk to you and hear your story. I really appreciate it. It takes a lot. It's a very brave and courageous thing, uh, you know, and, and we will continue to pray uh, both individual, individually and collectively that, um, you know, your story will get out to a lot of people. And uh, that's an awesome thing. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks yeah, for being John, open. I love you, man. Too, brother. Take good care. My best to your family. So, you know, there, there you have it, folks. There, there you have the, the, the story that seems, in many respects, seems so simple, doesn't it? Right? It, it seems so simple. And, you know, and, and then you look at it. Um, you look at the story and you say, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. Okay, so he was, he was, his relationship with his faith, his relationship with God, it was, nobody saw that. Nobody saw it. Maybe somebody did. Maybe somebody looked at it and said, man, I'm concerned about Mike, you know, because it was hidden. It, it was hidden. It, what was going on was hidden. It was out of view. And just like it always happens, it's, it's, um, and all of a sudden something happens like this, this young lady that committed suicide, same age as him at that time. That's brutal. It's brutal. It's a brutal thing to witness, especially if you don't have the, the training, the, the you know, first responder training, police, fireman, uh, paramedic. I mean, that's that's a hard thing. Never gets easy, by the way. You know, it just never gets easier. But the thing is, is sometimes the struggle is very public. On the one hand, the public thinks they're seeing all of it, and sometimes they're not seeing all of it, especially in the church community. And, and my next guest, I'm so privileged to have Bryn on. Uh, love her so much. A uh, little secret here. She is the lovely daughter, very creative daughter of Jerry, uh, one of my very best friends in my lifetime. I talk about people that I'm just so privileged to know and love and be loved and known by them. Jerry is one of them. And if you look at my logo, the lion, the uh, Greener.com lion, she designed that. She designed my logo. She's very, very smart. Bryn, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor to have you. Hi, Sean. It's really great to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I know it's a weird thing to be on the radio um, and and to think, okay, who all's listening? But it's really no big deal. These are these are friends from all around the world. Uh, I don't know, you know, the Finnish people, our new Finnish audience. Uh, cool. I guess you say Finnish. I don't know, but um, maybe this is a story they've never heard unless they clicked in today. So we're. We're proud to have people listening from from everywhere, and you're going to be okay, and I'm going to be okay, and they're going to be okay. But I I do want to give the disclaimer: this is a tough story, folks. This is a tough, tough story, and it is not for the faint of heart. But what I will tell you: if your faith, if you're struggling, or maybe you're a person on the edge of faith, this is the story you have to hear. I preach about this all the time, and people say. I had a guy say to me one time, you know, he claimed he was an atheist. Um, remember what we say, it's not atheist. We pronounce that, we pronounce that incorrectly. It's atheist means they're not just ambivalent about God, it's against God. And so there's some people that, you know, approach me and, and they, well, I'm an atheist and look what happened to you. Um, you know, okay, you're, you're a preacher of all this stuff and, and uh, this happened to you. Look at all the, and they always point out, the, the young kids, now they don't have any faith in God except for when they're throwing rocks at God. Uh, but then there's also people who in secret have been struggling and struggling 
and struggling every day. And they don't want to say anything at their church because maybe the maybe the pastors don't have the training, uh, you know, the biblical counseling and professional counseling training. So they're afraid of it. So they don't offer it. And maybe, you know, they, they're just not in that headspace where they don't have the, the expertise to do it. And so in this church facility or this church family, uh, one part of the church goes into hiding, if you will. And uh, so Lacey Carson and Cole are the beautiful children of Bryn and Jeff Sellers. Uh, I've known them quite some time. And like I told my audience in the beginning, I, you know, we were privileged to kind of be on the front end uh, of this when it seemed like Carson was just getting sick or maybe it was accelerating. We were up at Liberty mm -hmm. University. I think it was a Christmas party or some kind of thing we were at. I don't remember what it was, but it was it was really uh, something. And, and I remember commenting uh, to my family saying, man, Carson doesn't look good. Something's not right. And I remember you saying, well, Carson's not feeling good today. And uh, and that was the the, the, the very beginning um, of what became a journey that really yeah. it's very difficult to believe. But it's real because I watched you guys and I'm watching you guys go through it now. So tell us yeah. if you wouldn't mind, Bryn, uh, could you could you indulge us with kind of the start of it? Tell us tell us about what your life was like before this came to pass. And then let's connect with with what happened. Sure. Um, well, we were we're going back now about seven years. We were just a normal, healthy, growing family. And I had, a, you know, Lacey was 13. I think Carson and Cole were 12. And, you know, we were pretty much like any other family. We had tons of sports practices and school and work and church and just everything that people can be involved in. And we, yeah, it was about the time we went with your family there to Liberty. We, we really began to realize that something was very wrong with Carson, one of my twin sons, and he was about 12. And he, he really, I mean, as best I can say it is he went from being a really happy, healthy kid to being suddenly very violently ill. And it was so fast and so horrendous and so unbelievable right from the beginning and that was the beginning of our journey now that's been six years and he has been in the hospital now whew, over 20 times uh, some of our hospital stays are more than two months long and he has I just got the update last week he has now at least 12 diagnosis codes currently to his name so you know if you're a medical person you have diagnosis codes, you have to deal with your insurance company, and all uh, are revolve around very violent inflammation in the digestive tract. So this was an illness that, that came out of nowhere and was very, very traumatic, um, very embarrassing, um, very isolating from the start. And so... We've spent, you know, the last six years kind of in a daily uh, horrible emergency. We, we kind of never knew from day to day. We still don't even to this day know if he, he's at home at the moment, but he can, you know, go back to the hospital anytime. And we had just learned to live in like a really horrible daily trauma and emergency that doesn't seem to end. 
And so currently he is at home and he's now 18 and he has been pretty much confined to bed all this time and also, you know, either confined to bed at home or in the hospital. And Mm -hmm. he's on IV nutrition that he gets about 14 hours a day that I manage for him. And we have visiting nurses and he has what feels like a million medications and, and they just really kind of keep him from having to be in the hospital, but not, you know, not giving him any real quality of life. And, uh, and so really that's, that's been our life. And, and that sounds maybe, I mean, I know it sounds bad, but it probably sounds kind of benign coming out of my mouth, but really it's just been this really horrendous, um, extremely painful thing to be a part of and to watch. And, you know, uh, really severe chronic illness has, incredible layers to it there's also been lots of isolation lots of confinement you know when you lose your entire life it has all kinds of implications hey hey, brand before we go past that um i don't want people to miss describe that in a little bit more detail the the isolation and and all of that because how has that manifest in your life i mean give us some examples of that well you know um in general, our communities and churches are really good at responding to emergencies in people's lives. Like, we're good at it, right? We, we make meals for people. We, we are ready to handle and help people when they go through something. But when, when a trial goes on for years, you know, it's not anyone's fault. It's just that people, you know, they feel helpless and they cannot do anything to be a part of your life. And so they, they eventually just fall away. And so, you know, after the first year or two, we, we really found ourselves very alone, uh, our whole family, but particularly Carson and I. And, you know, there was a point where I noticed that he hadn't seen a single friend in an entire year. Um, you know, everyone has kind of disappeared out of his life, which is, it's really hard when, you know, you have teenagers and, and that happens. And it's, it's um, it's just something that naturally happens. Of course, people don't mean to do that, but it's it's really a rare thing when you have uh, someone that really stays in your life. Um, but we, you know, we just we just learned to kind of exist alone um, for a couple for several years. I really about three years um, until things started to change for us here, like maybe two years ago. But um, we're certainly really um, well supported now. And of course, I always had my parents' support. They they have been amazing always. And, you know, that. but also they have gone through the same feelings of help, helplessness. You know, they haven't been able to do much for Carson. And, and so it's just, it's frustrating all around. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Was Excuse that me. what you wanted me to describe, or was there something? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Hang on one second. <coughs> Sorry, folks. Um, churches are great at short term, not so great long term. <coughs> Would that be accurate? Um, yeah, and you know what? It was kind of when we started to go through this. Um, we actually were sort of in a transition. We had. Um, become a part of a local church just a little bit. We really didn't know very many people. And so um, 
you know, in that way, we, we weren't super connected. So, so it just was an unfortunate turn of events, a series of events, as far as, you know, the isolation part of things is, con is concerned. Um, we just didn't have uh, a depth of a group of people around us at that time. And really, you know, it is difficult because there really wasn't very much anyone could do. Um, I have learned a lot since, though, about, you know, what people in really long-term severe chronic illness need. <laughs> and it's, um, it's not yeah. always doing things. It's really, it's really, you know, making the choices to really be there for people more than do. And, uh, you know, I hope someday if I'm ever, ever out of this, I'll be better at it myself. But certainly before all this happened, I didn't know either, you know, how to, how to be a friend to someone going through something really long term. Um, but for a long time, we did. We, we just learned to live alone. And there's lots of other layers of things that you learn to deal with. You know, we, when, uh, so all of our issues with Carson centered around food and, and being able to feed him or not feed him and calories and feeding tubes. And, you know, when all the joy of food is taken away and you also oh, yeah. uh, are confined to bed, you also have, you also lose you know, holidays and, and reasons to celebrate and the ability to celebrate. So like even, you know, even we'll just be practical. Yesterday is the 4th of July. We've spent about five of the last 4th of Julys in the hospital. Thankfully, that wasn't yesterday. But, you know, when you're confined to bed, you can't do much. So we don't, unfortunately, notice holidays the way we used to. And we don't have the ability to celebrate. So we didn't go see fireworks and we didn't, you know, do do any of that. But that's kind of another one of the layers that long-term illness brings into your life. Well, let me just say this. We have a very vibrant chat and someone uh, has just posted, if I'm hundred percent honest, I'll often shy away after a while from situations like this, since my biggest fear is issues with my kids, kind of like slipping into denial, facing things like this is very hard. Um, and, and he commented that you don't sound at all resentful at this and kudos to you, um, since you're a, a bigger person, and 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 because because there are people that, and I guess it's not really sure. I, sh I shouldn't say the church is good at the the initial and the short term, but not so good at the long term. I shouldn't say that because it's not just the church; uh, it's people all around you. I, you know, I can tell you in in my experience after my crash. You know, of course, most people the church we were serving in and attending at that time. Um, for whatever reason, I mean, the, the greater majority of the people in church just didn't get it. They didn't they didn't get yeah. how seriously I was hurt and how serious what happened to me was and have a lifelong impact, except for people like your parents, people like dear, dear friends, truly dear friends. But then also practical strangers. This is what's funny. Someone I had done some work with very briefly, quite some time before, heard about the crash and contacted us and said, you know, we'll be there. You know, where do you live? We'll be there. And they were here. They had meals for us. And I'm not talking about meals, just a couple of meals. I'm talking about months of meals wow. and running and getting prescriptions and, 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 you know, all of the different things. It was just absolutely extraordinary. However, wow. uh, the, the, the writer of, of that uh, comment in chat really nicked on something there because that, that is part of why people resist this. Sometimes they stay away. They're like, I can't handle it. I, I can't handle yeah, going sure. and seeing this kid that maybe they, maybe they knew from before and said, you know, 
I, I just can't. I can't look at this kid because now I'm now I'm scared to death. What's going to happen to my kid? Well, you know, you know, yeah. we treasure our kids, and 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 so that's part of it. Now it, it, you ha we have to all grow through that because life is a contact sport. We good and bad. We have to have all that. But but ultimately, it yeah. comes down to, hey man, you know, we're in this place together. And sometimes it, it's it's messy. It's just so messy. Sometimes life is messy. And in and in your it case, is. it gets much messier because you you alluded to this in the beginning that look, you know, digestive tract issues such as what he has are there. There's a stigma to it. There's an embarrassment to it. There's there's certain circumstances and situations that that aren't uh, you know something that you want anybody to know you're going through, let yeah. alone if you're a kid, you don't want people to see that and experience that with you. You're embarrassed of it. But then other people will preempt the opportunity to serve because they're embarrassed, you know, and yeah. they don't know what to do. Yeah, it's, um, it's true. And, and we, we're kind of, it's been so long for us now. We're, we're really way past all that. And even Carson, you know, I give him, um, I'm, I'm sure we may be talking about, the blog I'm writing, but I give him, I give him editing privileges. You know, there's things that he, you know, being a teenage boy and going through all this, uh, you know, he, he has the ability to say, no, mom, I don't want you to talk about that. And that would be fine. Except for that he doesn't do it because to him, he's like, mom, I lost my dignity long ago. So if this can help someone, then you can write whatever you want. He's very trusting that way. And uh, yeah. he's, he's really um, just a, a crazy amazing kid that someday the world will know and i yeah. i'm just so privileged to be his mother but um you know the the person he said in chat that said um you know it's easy to build resentment you know it, it really is and, and you've caught me on a good day you know but i have certainly have had many many days and months where i had things like that that i had to work through and and it's it's really hard and it's a struggle and it's not easy um but you know i Hopefully, we'll get to talk about some of the the hope that really is there, um, because God is always working, and He is always about process. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard thing, you know. When we we talk about we talk about God, and we are always about you know getting from point A to point B, or what we can do for Him, or what you know. But He really, I just been learning more and more. He is really always about the process and and the true healing that he wants to do in people um, like your friend Mike who was on earlier you know um, true healing is never linear like like we hope that we'll just take something and get better or we'll embark on this exercise plan and we'll get better but but true healing is often involves a a toxic you know a toxic dump of something yeah. So whether you're talking about uh, you're talking about emotional pain like resentment in a situation like this, or or like any kind of emotional pain, or uh, the emotional pain of of even what Michael went through, even the political landscape, or you know even in your marriage, if you want to heal something, oftentimes it's really ugly and messy in the process. Um, uh, let me let me let me let me put a pin in that. I want to repeat yeah. that so that everyone in our audience can hear that. Listen, in your relationship, sometimes and look, this can be husband and wife, 
Uh, this can be this can be uh, siblings, could be mother, father. It could be any of those familial relationships or even friend relationships. Your love wife, uh, it could, it, you're going to go through some tough times and everybody goes through that. But you got to be you got to be in it. You got to be yeah. in it. And it's and sometimes it gets messy for a long while and you can't shut yeah. off communication. Because as soon as you shut off communication, guess what? That stops everything. Any hope of working through it stops when you do that. It stops. Yeah. And you know what? Exactly. Same way with God. You know, there's a lot of times where we pray or we're in a situation and we don't want to pray. We don't, God, I don't want to talk to you and I don't want to hear from you. Because okay. so far you haven't given me the answer. You you say you say this, uh, and, and I got to share this with our audience, uh, brinsellers.com, B-R-Y-N. S-E-L-L-E-R-S.com. You want to go and subscribe to that. While you're at it, subscribe to the ninjapastor.com. I prayed expecting something to happen. I put myself out there for the 2,264th time. I stood in faith. I made declarations. I clutched my scriptures. God didn't come through, at least not in the way I'd, I'd hoped he did or hoped he would. Yet I knew he wanted my expectation which seems cruel. I mean, what kind of father allows his children to count on him without reservation, fully expecting to see him help them do what he says he will do when he actually has no intention of coming through for them the way that they're hoping for? We would all answer that and say a deadbeat father, an uncaring one, an uninvolved or too busy to notice, or maybe one that's self-absorbed and harsh. Yet as we ponder our disappointment, our father actually considers this a win because he is none of those things. He is the complete opposite. His goal never was our preconceived outcome. His goal was that we would, every minute of every day, learn to live an expectation of him, live continually without faltering. And then you pose some questions and you present some scripture in this, and it, and it's powerful. I'm telling you, folks, you, you know, you might think this is a gloom and doom blog, but it's really not. It's a blog of victory. It's a victory blog. And, and, but some of the days and, and Bryn is very honest, very, very honest about where she is and where her family is in this. Um, so it's going to be something you're going to have. It's going to be, it's going to be raw. I mean, there's, there's going to be big parts of it that are just, they're raw. And, um, you know, you got to buck up and, and, and stand up to that. But in, in your blog, you really reveal uh, one of the, just the hardest parts of life. So so here we are at that place. And, and you said that really amazing thing. Um, take the pen out and you go ahead and keep going. And tell me tell me about step by step. Oh, let me let me ask you this first. Let me ask. And this has been a curiosity. If you'd be willing to share this and it's OK, just say, nah, I don't really want to. And you don't have to say the name. I would encourage you not to say the name. But if it's the good thing, say the name, uh, unless they swore you to secrecy and they'll kill you if you do it. I don't want you dead. You're important. And I like you. So and now all these people like you. So you've got all these friends. Um, the worst thing, you know, I do, I do seminars uh, in which, I, you know, I one of the topics that I keynote about is grief, living through grief. I wrote an ebook. Uh, entitled Living Through Grief on Purpose. And if you contact us through Twitter or Facebook or, or wherever, you know, just contact us however, we'll send it to you for free. It's an ebook and it's, and it's, it's very helpful. Um, I can't tell you how many people contacted me and said, man, thank you for this. And it's not me, it's God. But, but 
But what is, and in that, in that ebook, I talk about the worst things people could do, the worst things people could say, and the best things they could do, and the best things they could say. What is the worst thing in, in the midst of all of this suffering and, and this, this, you know, terrible but beautiful journey? Sounds so bumper sticker to say that. And I would rather it be beautiful and no terrible and just let's be done with it. God, go ahead and heal this kid. Um, you know, let let this turn this test into your testimony. You talk about bumper stickers, you know, but you know, let's let's get on to that part. We get it. We get it. We're supposed to trust you every day. It's gonna be hard. We don't promise, we're not promising. You know, we get that. We get that. Let's move on to the next part. Let's go to the victory part. But what is the worst thing? We'll start with the worst that someone has has done or said to you in relation to this and what is the best thing they've done or said do you mind sharing that sure uh well you know i i pretty much don't have any tolerance anymore for a lot of little christian cliches that you know sayings that people use and mm -hmm. you know some of them actually are true it's just that in the context of, of what when they're being said it's just not helpful and that's unfortunate because, you know, Jesus' name is usually tied to those things. But, um, you know, even when somebody says something like, oh, well, you know, God has a plan. This, there's a reason for this. And he uh, will be stronger someday when this is all over. You know, those things may be all actually true. But when I am wondering if my son will be alive tomorrow, I don't want to know that he's going to be stronger when this is over. Like, I can't see past that. You know, it's not helpful. Um, and I'm just being really honest here. You know, because people, uh, they so, you know, they so want to say the right thing. And, and sometimes it's just better not to talk. But um, I would say that the things that have meant the most to us is when people have just come alongside of us and said, you know what, like, we hate this for you. And we are, and you know what, Sean, you've done that for me several times. Um, but when you say, we hate this for you, we're so sorry, and we will not give up praying. Like, when somebody still comes to me after five years and said, I have not ever stopped praying, and I am, we are with you until this ends, you cannot imagine the relief that that brings um, when you, you know, you know, many months and years, we've just run out of our own prayers and we run out of our own faith. And when we can, at least for a time that we need to stand on the faith of others, um, it is, it just does something for you that you just feel like we're not alone. They're not going to give up. Even if I give up right now for five minutes, you know, they won't. And we have a group mm -hmm. like that surrounding us now, but we, we didn't always. And, um, and we're so grateful um, for that. It's, it's so, I, like, I can't even really express in words what it does when you are so desperate for so long. Mm -hmm. That kind of commitment just, just brings you such relief like nothing else. I don't know oh, if I yeah. answered your question there, but. You did. You did. You did. Okay. And you didn't dime anybody out in the process, so it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we have Home a, runs, a very precious. Sorry we have a very precious group around us now that, you know, and like you said earlier, people come and go in your lives. And sometimes, sometimes that's for a reason and they're just supposed to be in your life for a round of time and then they're gone. Um, but we, you know, we endured quite a lot of sort of pattern of people coming and going. 
And I really thought the group that surrounds us now, we have a, a wonderful house church and they, you know, I re- honestly, I really thought that, oh, you know what, they'll leave like everyone else eventually, because, you know, when you pray and pray and pray and you don't see results, um, you know, it's, and, and, and I don't take it personally anymore, but it's, um, it's, it's hard for people to take that. It's hard for people to, to look at God and, and handle that, you know, and keep going. Mm-hmm. And, and I really thought they would leave too. And instead, you know, every time something gets worse, they just are more emboldened to stay. And, and they, I know that they will not give up and it's been really a precious gift to us. So I would say for, for those, anyone listening that, you know, has someone in their life that disappeared out of their life or, or know someone, you know, in a really chronically ill situation, the best thing you could do is just not give up and just be with them and let them know it because it's powerful when you do that. Man, that, that in itself is powerful. Just sharing that. Um, so, so, okay. So you're, you're in this situation and uh, you know, I've, I've known you kind of on the periphery for a number of years, ever since Jerry and Jerry, I don't, I'm sure you don't call him Jerry, your dad and your mom and, and I became uh, friends. And then our friendship, you know, I mean, I, I know you know sure. this, but I adore your dad. I adore your, adore your parents, but I really love your dad. Yeah. Your mom is mean to me. I don't know if you know that, but I just want to put that out there. So if you could talk to her, I don't know. I don't but, uh, so, all right. Well, I knew I couldn't convince you. But you're probably afraid of her too. She's probably mean to you too. No, I love her. I adore her. But Jerry and I, you know, and as and as you know, we we became closer. We started to learn little bits, you know, about you guys and 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 all of that. And this kind of started all before this really took place. So it, it is interesting. It's such a juxtaposition to see somebody's family and think, wow, what a beautiful family. You know, gosh, this is just beautiful. Uh, by the way, hello to Lacey. We've said hello to to Carson, but hello to Lacey, the the oldest. Sorry, Lacey, but you are the oldest. It's a it's a years thing. You were born first, um, and then uh, Carson and Cole, love you guys, and we want you to know that all these people listening, uh, they're gonna they're gonna now uh, scratch your name in ink on their prayer list, and they're gonna pray. The praying people will pray, oh, and the ones that have been praying so will redouble their prayers. Well, you know, when I pray, uh, I just want to share this with you. When I pray. Uh, I don't just pray for Carson and on our Kehalal on Sundays and we have a broadcast we do 5.30 to 6.30. You guys that listen and subscribe to that, you, you've all heard it. Uh, we don't just pray for Carson, but we pray for your family. And we've often talked about how hard it is. And that's kind of what I want to chat with you about now, how difficult yeah. it is to be the older sibling, Lacey, and then who's very smart, by the way, your children are very intelligent. Um, thank God for Brent, right? Ooh, you know, love, love Jeff, but now he's super smart. You know what? And you know what I forgot about the other day? I do have a brain injury. So this happens. I remembered that I really loved to watch because we went to the same church for a while. I'd love to watch Jeff uh, both participate in the worship team and lead worship. He's led it several times, man, that's a gift and he's got it. Mm. So we don't just, we don't just pray for, uh, Carson, you know, don't just, I mean, obviously he's going through it. He's experiencing, but I'm telling you, I can, I can tell you it is very difficult to be the person going through the thing, but it's real hard on the family, 
you know, and the love wife and the kids and all that, that are, that are living it. They're living it. One of the worst things I do, and I've got to confess this, uh, one of the worst things I do, and, and, and it really confronted me the other day because I, I, I finally broke down and I applied for social security disability. Um, it's been, you know, a little over five years since the crash and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's obvious, you know, I should have done this before, but I just didn't. I was embarrassed and for all them. So, so the lady asked me, and I tell you, say what you want about social security disability. These people are amazing. The people that I experienced in Newcastle, Delaware and social security office were amazing. But the lady that helped me, and, and ironically, it was probably about uh, 70% of my days are rough days. But then on the days where they're not as rough, they're still hard, but they're not as rough. I try to do everything that I couldn't do in that 70% of the days. And it happened to be a, a rough day when I was meeting with her and uh, she asked me how I was doing. And I said, great, which is what I always say, because I never want to be a burden to people. I want to lift people up. I want to be you know, the person that lifts people out of where they are uh, and helps shine a, a light on the better place in the better way. And so, but this particular day I caught myself and I said that and I said, well, no, that's, that's not actually true. And I remember what my family always would say to me, stop telling people you're great. Yeah. Stop telling you you're great. You're not great. You're, you're struggling every day to, to feed yourself and not choke on food and not fall down the same steps. And, and, you know, all of these different things to remember yesterday, to remember, people you love and, and to deal with them in a way that is helpful and not harmful, you know? And so I, I learned to myself, stop saying great. It's not great. It's not great. So, um, but when we pray, when I pray, I can speak for me and many of the people in the Kehla, many of whom, uh, some of whom, you know, and some you don't know, they've been praying for you for this whole time. And, and I can tell you, they pray for each one. They pray for Lacey, they pray for Jeff, they pray for you, they pray for Cole, and we pray for Carson. And we get updates from your dad. And, you know, that's kind of the first thing we do at Kehillah on Sundays before we get the broadcast. We, we eat this great meal that everybody wow. brings. And, and we say, you know, someone invariably will ask your dad, how's Carson? How's everybody else? What can we do? Is there anything we can do? And, uh, you know, and they don't care what it is. They'll, you know, they don't care. They'll do it. So one one encouragement I would give, I, I would I would grab the microphone and say, listen, don't be reluctant to the people that you know are sincere and aren't going to make the problem worse. And they say, what can I do? Look, if your carpet needs vacuuming, you've been so busy administering, you know, life giving IV and tending to skin issues and, you know, reading books, look, you know, or tending to the other issues with your other kids. Cause now you've got one child who, because of his, and and through no fault of his own is now requiring a huge effort and a huge amount of time and, and all of these things. Yeah. Just himself. And he, and he, it's not because he's trying to be, Oh, I want to be, you know, the focus of attention. I'm sure he'd really rather not. The, the other roles, the other obligations, the other needs go, you know, unmet or, or in some way um, the attention is reduced. It's hard on them. Mm-hmm. It's hard on them. And so we pray for that and then we'll continue to pray for that. How, how are they doing? Might as well ask that. How are they doing? How are Lacey and Cole doing? You know what? They're doing really well. Um, I would definitely say that it wasn't always that way. Um, 
I would say two or three years ago, I just, I just felt like our family was sort of a smoking heap of destruction. I just couldn't, yeah. we couldn't, um, we were having a hard time on every, in every aspect. And, um, you know, I, we've been through a long, hard process and, and you, you know, you talked to Mike earlier about counseling and, and maybe we could have used some counseling, but we've, we've lived such an emergency that we haven't even been able to take time to consider that. But I will say that about four years ago, the Holy Spirit started to take me on a personal journey uh, where he just really became my counselor. And I, I started to claw my way out of a very dark, desperate place. And in the process, I started to bring the kids with me. And, and I, I, I look back over, especially this past year, and I am really uh, just amazed at what God has done in their lives. And we, you know, in our house, we, we talk deep. We have really deep conversations. We don't, you know, we're not hung up on small stuff. We don't complain about things that don't matter. You know, this, this whole kind of ordeal changes your perspective in that way. And I am just really proud of Cole and Lacey. And even, you know, even yesterday we talked about, I talked about some of this, what you're talking about now, I talked about with her, you know, um, even what we'll make it practical. Even last week, my, my other two kids, went to with the church group to creation fest in pennsylvania you know the whole big camp out with with christian artists and speakers this was their first time going and and it's it's a constant struggle to be so excited and happy for the two that get to go while being just in excruciating pain for the one who doesn't get to go in my house i mean that's just that is my life and it's hard for them as well because you know lacy and cole both you know, they have that constant back and forth in their hearts as well. Like they're excited to do something, but almost feel guilty about it, but they know they shouldn't and they know that's not from God. And so it's, it's just the kind of back and forth in your heart and your mind that you have to continually reconcile with the Holy Spirit and move forward somehow. Sorry about that. Can Mm -hmm. you, can you hear me? Yes, I can. And so it's, okay. It's a, it's just a, it's a constant ever present heaviness. And it's something we all, you know, we all have to continually overcome it because to feel guilty would be not, not right. And it would not be right for them to feel that. But, you know, they love Carson and they want him to be with them so badly. And so it's, it is, it's, it's, um, it's difficult for them, but they are amazing and they have grown so much and they have so much wisdom and they, uh, it seems like my kids as well also just, you know, spiritually, they, they seem to have a spirit of counsel. They're the ones their friends come to for, with their problems. And it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic what's happened. But I think they've had to grow up, you know, faster than kids normally and haven't had the kind of, you know, this consumes, this trial in our family has consumed their entire teen years. And so... Yeah. Uh, our our family life has been vastly different from normal, and and every all of us know that, and and we're okay with it. And at this yeah. point, you know, we're just excited for whatever victory God has in the future with us. But we are much more unified as a family now, and much stronger um, in the middle of the horrendous situation. If I 
if I could say that. I don't know if that makes sense, but God has just really taken us through a very deep process of healing, not physically Carson yet, but, but healing in every other area, um, emotionally and spiritually and, and in unity. And I'm, I'm really so grateful for that. And, you know, it's like we were talking about earlier, um, you can't see it at the time. You know, when everything's going downhill and you want to give up and you are pressing hard in, in that place where things look horrible and, and the toxic, you know, toxic mess is coming out, you, you know, that's where most people unfortunately give up. But that, I really believe that God is, is so in that because he, he gets excited about that because he sees the outcome. You know, it's just like, it's just like in the political landscape where, you know, we use the phrase drain the swamp and you have much healing as a nation that cannot happen until corruption is exposed and, you know, the things that we pray for um, to be the toxic stuff that, that gets exposed and dealt with so that true healing can happen. It's the same in, in the body. It's the same in a marriage. It's the same in a business. It's the same in every aspect. And so I actually think God really gets excited. So, so while we as people feel like, oh, my life is just heading downhill and this is horrible, you know, this is not yeah. working. We're going exactly the wrong direction. He's actually excited going, oh, no, no, this is what has to happen for healing to come. And so, you know, just stick through it. Just, just keep turning to me. Just keep believing in hope. Just keep pressing in to him so that you can get past this and get to the true healing part. I, I just really believe that his goal for people is this kind of journey with him. Well, you brought it up, so I'll, I'll ask the, the question, the million-dollar question. How has this okay. impacted your marriage? Because, you know, Jeff, Jeff is an extraordinary man. Uh, he's a really, yeah. really super talented guy and never ceases to amaze me, you know, how, how many unique and diverse talents he has. But he was, yeah. you know, successful in business in the real estate business. Um, he, um, you know, he was just a positive guy, just such a positive yeah. guy. And 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 your marriage was really. I, I used to like to when he would be singing or leading worship. Sometimes he would lead lead worship, but but even when he's just singing or praying or whatever, I used to like to look at you, looking at him, and I thought to myself, you know, that's how every husband wants his wife to look at him. Every husband yeah, wants his yeah. love wife to look at him that way. And, and, but, but it didn't stop there because I used to love, yes, I did stalk you too. Um, I used to love to watch both of you when your eyes would connect at the end of the service, when you would see each other, you know, uh, you know, as, as the worship team is coming down and you're making your way out. And when he would see you, it was just a deep admiration, a deep respect, a deep value. Like, look, we don't have all this figured out, but man, do I love you. You know, and, and yeah, you know, I'm right. sure the passage wasn't the easiest thing in the whole wide world. Uh, people, you know, marriage is hard. I mean, it's just hard. It's hard with all the stuff, yeah. you know, it's especially nowadays. It's just a very complex thing. So tell me about the journey with uh, your husband, Jeff, and you marriage-wise throughout this? Yeah. Well, um, you're right. I mean, we used, we used to feel like, you know, we were, we were always connected in our marriage. We were always pretty together on the way we raised our kids. And 
you know, um, life was good. I mean, before this all happened, we we had the same concerns as any family. We, you know, just, you know, the con- stuff that's constant, always there, job concerns, houses, you know, we were pretty active in church and, and just handling all that. But when this all happened, uh, it really, really shook us to the core. Yeah. Um, and we... You know, we thought that when it started, we would we would just figure this out. You know, doctors will figure this out for sure, and we'll go sure. get back to life. And and that's just not what happened. And so we struggled a lot with um, because it was such a constant emergency that never ended. We really struggled with what do we do next? You know, and we took him all over the country for every kind of treatment and it was very stressful and it was stressful on our finances and, and really foundationally the, the problems that we had were, they just stemmed from, he and I did not handle our pain in the same way. Um, and I'm sure that this happens. Tell me about that. Let's not leave that there. Let's kind of flesh some of that out. Yeah, sure. Okay, I can do that. Well, you know, I was in excruciating pain watching my son suffer, and I couldn't, I really couldn't deal with life. I I was crying all the time. I was, uh, I really went into a very dark place myself. I became um, very isolated from society. I didn't want to talk to people. I couldn't deal with the pain of it. I was 15 pounds underweight. I was, um, I don't know if you'd call that depression. I don't know what it was. I just, I just was uh, consumed with trying to help my son, and that was the only thing I could see. And, uh, you know, Jeff, he grew up in, a, um, in an environment that was uh, fairly, um, how do I want to say it, fairly rules-heavy in environment and home life. And, you know, at first there was this sort of feeling like, well, we don't want to really let people know how bad things are. And so we, you know, we're going to put on our happy face in front of everyone and just, you know, thank you for praying and and this will be okay. And I, you know, he, that was sort of how he dealt with it, um, was more of a little bit of, I don't want to say avoidance, but. Uh, just, you know, like to to look like things, we're not really holding things together, might look like we don't really have faith in God. So we didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to portray that. And I really didn't handle it. I really couldn't live that way. I, I just, I needed to be real. And I really was struggling with where is God right now because I can't find him. And so we, we clashed quite a bit on that. And then we, we really did go through a period of time where, as time went on and things got harder and, and even Carson and I left for six months to go to New York City for a certain treatment that, that didn't turn out to help, but that was really taxing on our family because we were already very worn out and we were very, um, you know, we were just very desperate. I don't know any other way to say it. And and that didn't help, you know, being separated and, and being so stressed out. And so we did go through a period of, of quite a while where we got to the point where we didn't agree on anything and we couldn't talk about anything. And neither one of us were trying to run away 
from our marriage, but we just couldn't figure it out and we couldn't see our way out and we couldn't, um, we just couldn't, we just couldn't make anything work. And so I would say that went on for a while and I really, I'll be very honest with you. I don't, I didn't think we would be able to stay married. I just couldn't see a way. And um, I would say maybe about two years ago, we really, um, and again, I think it was part of the Holy Spirit just starting to be our counselor, and he was being my counselor personally, counseling Jeff personally, and counseling us together. We just began to work through it. And, and like we've already said, it was ugly for a while, and it was messy, and it was difficult, and yet we just kept staying. You know, we just kept we just kept trying and we just kept going to God and we just kept, uh, we just, you know, we just didn't give up in that, you know, messy time period where it felt like this is not working, nothing's working, you know, and I don't know to tell you except for we're in a much better place now. I mean, God has taken us through a process. And, and like I said, when you're in it, you can't see your way out and you don't feel like anything's getting better. And yet, now we look back and go, wow, we've come so far. And I would say probably we're more unified than we ever have been now. And, and, and that maybe sounds weird to say because our situation really hasn't changed physically. You know, our son is still very much suffering. He's just, you know, upstairs from the room that I'm sitting in. And our stress of our life hasn't changed, but we just learned how to, you know, how to let the Holy Spirit counsel us when really that's all we had. Um, and, and I'm just, you know, I just, I look, like I said, with my kids, with my husband, I look back over the last year and I'm just so grateful for what he's done, especially when I couldn't see any of that. You know, I, I just, I, I almost look back and you can read about it in my blog, but I, I, I almost don't know how it happened. And so what I know now is just that it's, it's tiny choices every day to, to choose, you know, choose hope, choose light. Uh, if it's just a shred of scripture you're clinging to, if it's a shred of a worship song, if it's, you know, when in that darkness, you, you have to take, if all you can do is take one step, then take one step. And the next day, take another step. And that's all I really know, you know, even advice to give. It's, it's tiny choices every day and holding on by a thread when the thread is fraying and it's thin and it seems like it's going to break any moment, but it doesn't. And I think that, you know, God just teaches us so much by, by staying, you know, when you, when you could give up, just don't. And, uh, you know, I talk about I in my uh, in my living through grief uh, on purpose ebook. I talk about men specifically why, you know, and 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 it's uh, designed for Gold Star family, someone a family who has lost uh, one of their children in combat. Yeah, and and I'm I'm writing it specifically for people with chronic illness, people uh, suicide, people. Uh, in you know that are losing their children or their loved one to uh, heroin and all of the other terrible things and just all, you know and I'm, I'm to customize it 
for, for each demographic so that they'll be helped with it specifically for them. But one of the things that translates across any of the genres that, that I'm writing the book is the dads, the husbands, the fathers, I find they, they put on this front on the outside. It's okay. It's going to be fine. If they're people of faith, yeah. sometimes they 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 wrap that in. Look, God is sovereign. God is God. God doesn't. He's not missing in action here. He sees what we're going through, and it matters to him. And so God's going to fix this, and it may take a long time, but God's going to fix it. And then secretly, they get in their car and they go to work, or they go let, run to the grocery, or wherever it is they're going to run an errand, and they cry the whole way there, such that they have to pull over. And 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 get a paper towel and put it on their face and and they're crying out to God. They're crying out to the world. Why don't you notice what we're going through? And God, why? I want to fix this. I'm the dad. I'm the husband. You know, I love my yeah. wife. I love my kids. I want to fix this because it's our nature as as uh, fathers and as sure. husbands. And then look, you, you know, you tell a guy. This is what the problem is. This is what I'm going through. Or you just vent to them and oh, the husband goes into fix mode. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. This is the next step. Okay. We're going to go over here and do this. And they want to do that and they can't fix it. It ends up not being fixable within the realm of their capabilities because it's, it's way outside of that. And, and, and there's a, there's an inner rage that I found. I love the title, by the way, of your blog, sleeping in the rage. Um, but but dads and husbands and uh, and grandfathers and you know brothers they want to fix it for Pete's sake we gotta fix this there's got to be a thing there's got what do you mean you don't know what's wrong with my son what do you mean doctor what do you mean you've seen you know only a few cases of this ever in the world and yet you can't fix it. What do you mean? Well, let's go to another doctor. Let's go to another place. You know, all these different things. How can I fix it? But then when you look at your love wife, you turn and you look at your wife and you say, it'll be okay. Inside that husband and father are explosions going off because it's, it's the, it's the synapse of saying one thing, but in being but terrible, being terrible fear. Can't make it happen. I can't make it happen. Yeah. One of my great friends uh, just said, God can handle my rage. It's a form of acknowledgement and worship in a way. And you kind of talk about this, folks. I can't more uh, strenuously encourage you to read this beautiful blog. Um, his goal was never a preconceived outcome. His goal was that we would every minute of every day learn to live in expectation of him, like continually, without faltering. Uh, one of my friends said, you know, how are you going to work this out? We're working on this thing. How are you going to work this out? And I said, I'm not going to. God is. God's going to work it out. Well, when? When? You, what are you going to do to make it work out? I can't do anything. Yeah. God's going to work it out in his will and in his time. He's going to do it amazingly and miraculously. Or, or the way that he's doing, I won't recognize, but I trust him that he's going to do it. And I'm telling you, it took me a long time. Look, I'm a guy, I'll just tell yeah, you, I'm a guy with too. a genius IQ um, who one day was preparing to protect Newt Gingrich and Tim Tebow. 
and in a, in a second, one one hundredth, the, the fatal accident investigator said you, you had one one hundredth of a second to respond to the car going 109 when it hit the, the median and 92 when it hit you. You went from 51 to zero in seven feet. One one hundredth of a second. You did all you could do. I went from being the guy who could do uh, multiple uh, doctorates at the same time. Uh, I was getting a, a master's in theology and a doctorate in theology at the same time and in a dual doctorate program. So I was actually working on another doctorate at the time, running multiple businesses at a very high level. I'm not patting myself on the back. I was born that way. And and I, it's not something I did. God decided, hey, I'm going to give this to you. Let's see what you do with it. Yeah. I went from that, you know, I'm still a relatively intelligent guy, but I can't remember five minutes ago sometimes. I can't, there are times, Bryn, where I look at somebody and they're walking toward me and they're walking toward me like they're going to hug me. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know you, <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes I'll say the wrong thing. I'm not trying to say that thing. It just comes out. Sometimes emotions will happen around me and I'm, I'm lost. I'm confused. I, I used to be able to manage emotions. Sometimes yeah. I'm in such ridiculous pain that my buddy David, you know, he used the word rage. You use the word rage. Sometimes I'm in such pain. It's almost like a rage, but I'm fighting desperately to not show it because I don't want to drag people down. Well, you go on and say, like continually without faltering, but how do we do that if he actually doesn't seem to ever come through the way we hope he will? The answer, my friends, this is what Bryn wrote, audience, my friends, is the real crux of the matter. We aren't wired to live double-minded, James 1, 6, and 7. Tossed around in a cycle that looks like this, praying for something, believing for something, doesn't happen. Discouraged, upset or angry, afraid to believe again, mustering up strength, choosing to try, praying for something. That's it. We were never meant, and I'm so glad you put that in there. That's why folks, you got to go there and read this, save it, subscribe so that you can, maybe you're not going through this, but somebody in your life is going through it or they're about to go through it. Don't hold back. Then you go on to say, Bryn Sellers goes on to say, BrynSellers.com. No, we were meant to go through that enough times until the cycle stops, the tossing stops, and what's left is a version of you that is strong, believing without wavering in a life that looks more like this, praying, believing, expecting. I have this saying, hesitant faith is no faith at all. This is me talking. This is Sean Greener, Ninja Pastor. Hesitant faith, no faith at all. And this illustrates it. Pray, you believe, you expect and you wait, you wait, uh, you know, Dave, my buddy says expectations equal pre-disappointments. Some people are afraid to believe. Some people are afraid in the midst of that storm. There was a band. Um, I praise, I'll praise you in the storm, uh, casting crowns. And I loved that song because it spoke to the faith that I preach about. Uh, and I preached just this Sunday. I'm going to number two, you can listen to it. It's free. At, at the ninjapastor.com, www.theninjapastor.com or doctrine. You go over to listen. It's on there. It's free. Every single thing I do on the radio, I go and give speeches unless the people say, look, we want this to be a private speech just to us. We record them. We put them on wherever we can. 
you go there and you listen to the first part. I'm going to preach the second part this Sunday. And I'm telling you, um, <clears throat> mercy, we, you know, we can't demand these things of God. We, we don't demand these things of them. We live through them with them. We pray, we believe, we expect, and we take it in. And you go on to say, and, and I love that you put this in bold because it's so flipping true. The process of the tossing and being thrown by the waves is how we get to the serene shore place. I'm not sure why or how it happens that way. It seems counterintuitive to our logical reasoning. I'm pretty sure no one arrives at the calm place without going through the violent tossing for a while first. Man, yeah. strong, strong. That's strong. Listen, folks, you, I don't know where you are. I don't. With 1.4, 1.5 million listeners, I, I can't know you all. I'm trying to know you all. Uh, your your dad, Jerry, always jokes about how many how many people I have on my contact list. Um, and I know everyone, you know, I try to know everyone. I try I do the best I can. What's funny is, you know, this audience, I get the most amazing letters from these people. Some of these people blow my mind. They blow my mind. I had a guy send me, uh, after Sunday's message, he is a triple amputee. He's a triple amputee. Uh, he lost two, two of his limbs in combat. And then as he's trying to manage all the other stuff, he got a severe infection that because he was managing in, in the other limb, because he was wounded in the other limb, but you know, thought, Hey, we can save this, it can, you know, be useful to you. Um, mm. he, he was dealing with all the other stuff and they were dealing with all this stuff. It just, it just happened. And he got this terrible infection. And if they wanted to save his life, they had to take his other limb. So he has one limb, one limb. Wow. And the guy sent me a note and he said, you know, I, nobody ever said that to me that God doesn't have to answer it my way. God doesn't have to. He said, I've been praying and praying and praying to, to help me, help me, you know, fix this. And he said, I looked down and I don't see a limb and he has to wear a colostomy temporarily. They're working on uh, reconstructing some things, which he was explaining it to me. And I was blown away. I was like, wow, they can do that. And then immediately I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if this would help Carson. I wonder if this would help. And then I realized, hey, this most recent surgery, you know, maybe it was part of that. I don't know. Uh, but suffice it to say, this guy's talking to me and, he, and he's just saying, you know, embracing the fact that I've got to go through this, these cycles until the tossing stops. And, and then there I am at the end. And, and he said, you know, I looked at, what I pictured the the enemy, the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, whatever you call him, to be the enemy. I looked at him in the face and say, well, I won't tell you what he said, but, you know, he's a soldier nonetheless. And he said that. And then he said, you're not getting me. You're not getting me yeah. and you're not getting my faith. And you can go kiss my butt. You know, you can kiss my rear Love end because I'm not, I'm not yeah. giving up. I gave up for a while. You had me for a while. You should have done more with me when you had me when I was when I was angry at God and looking looking around. Who's going to fix this? Well, if God won't fix it, who will? Well, you lost your chance, Bub, Beazel, mm -hmm. Bub. That's awesome. You lost your chance. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yes. That's such a privilege to to get this. So the people listening here are from all walks of life. They are they are people who are in struggles and and you know. Um, we only we only have just a couple of minutes left, um, and, and listen. You need to know how much we 
collectively as an audience appreciate you stepping out i know you were a little bit nervous because it's kind of weird being on the radio with me i know it's a weird thing i hear it all the time but the fact of the matter is you've done great you've done super and you've represented and there's more to the story that i'd like at some point when we have some time uh to share on the radio with the, with our audience uh so that they can understand how where you are now because we I, I would say well where are you now there's there's literally three minutes left of the show and one minute and yeah. uh one minute and 23 seconds has to be music um so i want to take this time to thank you um number one this is a hard thing to talk about and I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down and, and write your blog. It is a fantastic blog. Listen, I get invitations to follow this and follow that. And can you talk about this and talk about that? Um, people misunderstand frequently my level of influence. They think I have influence I don't have. But suffice it to say, you reach a certain point and people think, well, let me share this blog. This blog is, I subscribed. All you do is type your name in. You can make a name up for Pete's sake, just like on mine. You can make up a name, you know, whatever you want, Superman, whatever. But you got to yeah, put I a real know. email address in. Yeah, you won't know. Well, how are you going to know? Um, <laughs> I do have some funny ones. We, we have, I don't know how many subscribers on my website we have now. It's tens of thousands. But I can tell you, some of those names crack me up, let's be honest. But you got to put a real email address. So when you go to Bryn's um, blog, brynsellers.com, B-R-Y-N-S-E-L-L-E-R-S.com, put a name in, put the email address in, click subscribe. If her uh, blog is anything like mine, you may get uh, an email saying, are you sure you want to do this? And you click on it, and that's just confirming. It's a new convention with you know, the anti-spam rules and all that stuff. Do it. You will not... I'm telling you right now, you won't be sorry you did. It it will bless you. At the same time, I want you to understand that Bryn shares real stuff. She is so articulate and, and a beautiful writer. Uh, but some of this stuff is tough, man. It's tough. So you got to be in it to win it. Don't be, don't be, uh, this is not fluffy. The last definitely three not. parts of it, definitely not. It came by way of having unmet expectations over and over again. It wasn't fun. It was horrible. We didn't know this was the path to the more exciting place where we exist now. We've learned to sleep in the violent rage. And we have the foresight to know that someday when the rage ends, the ability to peacefully sleep remains. The lessons are learned. The control issues are long gone, never to return. The enemy lost more than he thought. That's exciting. God bless you, Bryn. God bless your family. Uh, God bless my Thank audience. You, Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. You. You've done you've done beautifully. You should so be proud that of you. Asked me, so. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah. Love you guys. Folks, I so appreciate you joining us. I really do. Um, so many comments, so many notes that are coming in through all the different sources that you can contact us. Thank you for that. Continue to pray for Bryn and Jeff and, and, um, Lacey and Carson and Cole. They're in the fight of their lives. Literally. God bless you. Join us on Sunday for the second half. If you didn't hear the first half of the sermon I preached on Sunday, go to drshawngreener.com or the ninja 
and uh and that's free it's free listen to it and listen to it in bits and pieces you don't have to listen to it all at once commercial free hour thank you to david partridge of lieberman early please give him a call contact him through liebermanearly.com or give him a call directly um he's awesome second call defense click on the banner we so appreciate it god bless you all Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.